Hey everybody, Zach here. Before we dive into this week's episode, I wanted to make you all aware of a new higher education CRM that I've recently come to know that I think many of you will be very, very interested in. Um, and the best way to actually describe what the really the power of this CRM is to use an experience disruption analogy. So if you listened to one or more of our podcasts, you've probably heard me at some point talk about experience disruption. And one of the best ways to explain what experience experience disruption is, is to think about Uber's relationship with the traditional taxi industry, right? So from a product standpoint, Uber and your traditional classic yellow taxi cab aren't objectively different, right? They're both going to get you from point A to point B. But the difference with Uber is all in the experience. You can pop up your phone while you're at the bar finishing up your drink and request a car. The car will pull up and it'll take you exactly where you need to go. It's, it's an experience with very, very little friction, and that's why Uber wins. So similarly, Verity CRM is a CRM that acts more like an Uber and less like a traditional higher education CRM, which acts a little bit more like a taxi. So Verity delivers the industry's easiest way to communicate with perspective existing, and former students. They have a powerful built-in contact center that facilitates effective communication via multiple contact paths, which really allows university departments to focus on high-value conversations that lead to higher retention, greater conversions, and more effective job placement. The CRM is not just really, really powerful. The interface is beautiful, and it's, it's really fun to kind of play around with and build content in. It's super, super, super easy to do. So it's got like the powerful robustness of like a slate, but the easy to use functionality of like a HubSpot. And it's a higher education CRM that's built exclusively for enrollment managers and um, enrollment marketing teams. So if you want to learn more about Verity and you want to understand more about how this product is disrupting the higher education CRM experience space, head on over to verityiq.com. That's verityiq.com forward slash Enrollify to learn more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Enrollify podcast. My name is Zach Boozy Cruz, and I am your host for today's episode. And today I am joined by none other than Hannah Fujigami, who is the marketing manager at Squiz. Welcome to the show, Hannah. Hi, Zach. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great. Uh, it's great to be chatting. Uh, Hannah and I were just talking offline about podcasting, and I sort of went off on a tangent talking about how much I love this content format and things that I've learned. Hannah is also thinking, okay, very, very like in the fledgling stages maybe of, of thinking about starting a podcast. So <laughs> if you like what she has to share with you today, you should send her a message and encourage her to, to start her own show. Um, I think I think she'll be great. Um, but, uh, thanks for being here, Hannah. Yeah, of course. It's, it's such a fun medium and I'm, I'm glad that you hopped on the train and, and are leading the way for some of us. Well, that's exciting. Um, yes, we have a lot to talk about, uh, today, but Hannah, um, mm -hmm. one of the things I like to do at the start of every interview is actually ask 
the guest um, a question that is at least loosely related to what they do or the industry they work in and or or the topic mm-hmm. of the show. So my question for you to kind of kick us off here is to talk about your favorite website. Um, it can be in, in any industry, uh, a website where you log on to the site um, and you actually enjoy sort of perusing the site. The UX is great. Um, it's easy to find what you're looking for. Any particular websites come to mind that you just enjoy spending time on? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, okay, so for higher education, education specifically, the University of Derby in the UK, I think, does an outstanding job of making kind of breaking the monotony in higher ed. They have a huge uh, course search on the homepage. So as soon as you um, look at this page, you can find what you're looking for easily. It is bright. It is it wow. is a bold design. Um, and it, it just doesn't look like, you know, every other college or university website. And so I love that. Um, it's modern. It's not trying to like please everyone. I think a lot of times people get stuck in that trap of like, gosh, there's so many different audiences coming to the website. How do we do it all? But if you, if you pick something, this is something I admire about them. Like they went with, okay, we're going to have a program course search and they committed to that and it looks awesome. Well, I'm on the site right now and you are a hundred percent right. I have never seen a higher education website that looks like this, which is which is funny because, you know, nine times out of 10 universities are using like a template that, you know, the mm-hmm. university down the street uses. So this is this right. is really awesome to look at that, like the, the zebra designs too, as like the the uh, hero image in the in the tier text is super, super interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. But totally, I mean, I, I imagine that this site too, uh, The I'm on my laptop right now, but I'm assuming that the experience on mobile is is superb just based off of how, how this is organized. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. What about what about a website that isn't higher ed specific? Anyone come to mind? Um, so I think, okay, this is going to be, you know, a little, I guess, controversial because I don't actually like shopping on Amazon too much, but Amazon has led the way for UX in many things. And I think the way that their site understands intent is mm. is impressive, to say the least. Um, they have done a huge amount of investment in search and navigation and how people interact with things. So that's kind of, you know, maybe an expected answer, but... But that's when I, I kind of point people to as like, hey, this is the way people are expecting other sites to work. So if you can emulate some of those elements into your site, um, I always think that that's a good idea. Love it. That's that's super that's super interesting. And um, actually, that that wasn't mm-hmm. sort of the, the site that would immediately come to mind in terms of like a website where I'm like, oh, I, I enjoy I mean, I guess like I enjoy spending time on there because I'm like buying things that I like. But like from like a UX right. uh, perspective, it's it's definitely not one of the first ones that come to that comes to my brain. And right, so, right, right, but, right. But I like what you said about like them just really understanding intent. Um, and as mm-hmm. as you said that, I'm thinking, oh, you know what's really interesting is when I'm using Amazon for search, um, oftentimes actually, and this makes sense because right, they're like selling products, so 
you're not necessarily searching for like blog posts or, you know, eBooks or, or educational content mm-hmm. on Amazon. But oftentimes mm-hmm. I feel like their intent is better than Google searches intent. Um, which again yep. makes sense because of, you know, the content on Amazon's site compared to the yeah. content that Google has to index. But, um, yeah, yeah. Super, I think they super understand. Yeah. I think they understand kind of that people want to find things quickly and that's why, you know, that's why I'd go to Amazon over something else maybe is because of the, I know I can find it in two seconds if I just search on Amazon versus versus another, you know, store channel that doesn't have that same level of intent. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Um, all right. So you are, this is one of my favorite questions to ask everyone as well. You're sitting mm-hmm. on a plane and it's post COVID. It's a little bit more socially acceptable to be flying. Um, and the person next to you turns to you and asks what you do. Um, they don't want to necessarily chat, you know, the entire flight, but they are not going to let you get away with a simple answer. Like I'm a SaaS marketer or I work in marketing at a tech company. So how do you explain Mm -hmm. to them what you do? And then how do you explain to them what squiz is? Yes. So um, for that first one, Squiz is a technology company um, that is focused on helping people create extraordinary digital experiences. So everything from actually building a website to connecting systems to make them work better. And right now we're really focused on helping universities and colleges serve their students better throughout, you know, the entire student journey. And my role in that is on the marketing side. So as probably many of your audience members can relate to, that's wearing a lot of different hats, Mm. Um, anything from content creation, so actually writing um, or campaign planning. So figuring out how we can reach people the best and just creative ways to um, serve this community that we get to be a part of within higher ed. Um, So that's, that's kind of my role in this in this whole in this whole like higher ed technology world and how long have you been in this space hannah um i am going on three years awesome and have you been in marketing sort of slash had an affinity for marketing beyond sort of this this three-year period of time or um is this did you do something else before did, uh, how did you sort of like get decide that being sort of in the higher ed marketing technology space was where you wanted to be at least for at least for now. Yep, definitely. So I have always loved marketing. I think when I was in college, I I was drawn to marketing because it was both the people aspect and the numbers aspect and the artistry. Like I minored in graphic design, so that's, you know, the whole branding look of it is also a fun part for me. So all of that combined into one, I was like, there's nothing better. <laughs> like wow. this is this is exactly what I want to do because it it includes people in the psychology of how we think and and how we provide value. And then also, you know, there's the whole analytics, math, numbers thing that backs that up. And then also we get to make it look pretty sometimes. (laughs) Nice, nice. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, Great. Well, thank you for sharing that um, and giving us a little bit of of background. Um, Have my, my, actually just a quick follow-up question is, uh, did you, 
did you uh, join Squiz right after school? Did you have a, a gig somewhere else before? Or how did you, I guess, how did you end up at Squiz? Yes. So I uh, did some internships in college. And then soon after that, um, I joined Funnelback, which was is a subsidiary of Squiz. And uh, we've recently kind of made the transition to be more fully integrated into Squiz as a company and Funnelback as product. Um, so I started out with Funnelback really just with... Um, a hand in everything, just kind of as a more marketing generalist. Um, so that's kind of where where I came to. And then as we got more focused into higher ed, that's that's kind of what also piqued my interest. And so here we are now, a few years later. I'm with Squiz. Um, our main focus for now is higher ed, and so I've been, you know, learning for the past few years so much from. All the all the higher ed professionals I've worked with and my team, so I feel really lucky to kind of be in this community um, and and get to be part of the maybe solutionary thinking yeah. um, that moves it forward. Yeah, and speaking of solutionary thinking, I love that uh, that term. By the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that. Um, today <laughs> we're gonna have a conversation really about like the power of site search. Um, and I'm hoping you could actually start, Hannah, by giving us sort of a, a framework or laying the groundwork for what site search actually is. I think, um, you know, we probably have folks tuning into today's conversation who might think site search is just Google search, or they might think it's, you know, a plugin on a website, or they might think it's, you know, how you search on Amazon or, you know, whatever it might be. So mm-hmm. help us just get a sense um, for what specifically site search means. Um, and and then we'll go from there. Yes. Good question. Uh, so site search is actually searching on a site. So think about a homepage. You probably have that search bar or the search box or search icon on the top right corner of a homepage that you would click to actually search the content within that website. So for example, on Amazon, you know, you go to amazon.com, you type in the product you're looking for and the results come up. That would be an example of site search. Got it. Got it. Fantastic. It's pretty self-explanatory then. Uh, just, just making sure. Just making sure. So, uh, yes, yes. How, like, talk to us about why this matters. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, I think e- even that that little definition that you gave there is is super is super clear and and concise. But site search sort of there, there's a whole spectrum, right? Like I've been on websites where I go to their search bar and I'm searching for something, and it's like the Google site search like plugin, and it pulls up like a page that you know, uh, matches sort of my query, but the page is actually for a website. Uh, the, the page that it's, that it pulls up is associated with a different domain. Um, and so it's, right. it's not, even, it's not like really searching on the site. It's almost like it's searching Google, but just from the site. So help us understand like, uh, sort of the, the different levels or, or like the variance in site search. Um, and then if you, if you wouldn't mind, uh, talk to us a bit, a bit about sort of like why site search matters. I think there are a couple of obvious things here, but um, would love to just hear sort of how you explain when you're talking about the value of site search to prospective customers, when you're experiencing um, a website, you know, as a, as a prospective consumer, what are the things that you look for with respect to site search? 
Right. Yes. So as you said, there is a huge range of, I guess, site search products, if I can call them that, on the market. So everything from a free Google custom search implementation, which you have very little control over, um, then there's like maybe it comes with your CMS and then that searches your domain. And then there's um, third party providers such as the you know, funnel back is, is one of those. Um, and then there's, you could build it yourself, maybe, um, with something custom, custom code or like an elastic situation. And there's a lot out there. So the important thing to, I think, keep in mind is one control and two flexibility. So when I am looking at a site as a consumer, Um, I have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. All I know is that I want to find something that is on this site. So, so being able to have some control over what that consumer sees and what appears first on the results and all that is a pretty important, um, function to be able to have. And then you also want it to look like your site to have the same look and feel, um, So that is another important factor. Why site search matters just in general is because it is, it is navigation. I think there's a kind of a sentiment that it it is ancillary to navigation or that it is like the backup to navigation. And in some instances that is true. You know, if you have a, a great UX, a great um, information architecture that is super logical, maybe uh, site search can just back that up. But in many cases, there are going to be people coming to your site that don't find exactly what they want to click on right when they land on your site within half a second. Yeah. And you only have a couple seconds for to capture people's attention and, and help them find what they want on your site. So if, if, you lose half your website traffic because people can't find what they're looking for, that's not good for anyone. Um, Your conversion rates are gonna go down, Um, you know, that increases bounce rates, all of those kind of website stats, but even more so that just increases the cost of interaction, that increases friction for the user. So what Search does is to provide a clear pathway through your, maybe your information architecture or avoiding, you know, clicking on multiple links to get where you want to go. It's it's kind of a one-stop shop for all of that. I love that and that makes a, a ton of sense. Thanks for sort of like painting that that uh, picture for us. And, you know, a quick mm-hmm. sort of like anecdote that totally aligns with what uh what you just shared is that it's uh, the way that our company even operates. So we've got our our CEO and our CFO and they're a bit older than um, then, you know, um, myself and a couple of my colleagues, um, we relate very closely with, with the leadership team. Um, but there's, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a little bit of a gap, um, in age. And what's funny is that, um, our, our CEO and our CFO, they're very sort of like logical thinkers and they love their folders. So when we go into like our shared Google drive, right. Um, the way that mm-hmm. they go and find information is they start at the master fo- fo- you know fo- uh, uh, folders and maybe you know that's category A and then they go to A1 and then they go to you know A1 A2 yep. A, you yep. know, and that's how they go about finding information. It's very it's very logical. They go through sort of like a, a, a traditional information architecture sort of like path, right? Whereas mm-hmm. like 
uh, like myself and several of my colleagues, when we go into the Google Drive, the first thing that we go to do is, is you know, we click on that search bar and then we search for what, you know, the presentation or the document or the Google sheet or whatever it is that we're looking for. So it's just funny because mm-hmm. as you're talking, it does also seem that like, especially with younger users, uh, like you, you've, you know, alluded to sort mm-hmm. of like these digital natives, search is something that's just like expected. Like when I, that is, that is the navigation. It, it's the new navigation. Right. And, and I'll add to that. Like if you go onto a website and you search something and you can't find what you're looking for, you're just like shocked. You're like, I have no idea what to do. Uh, it's if, if you, you know, click on that link and it brings you to a whole different domain because it was an advertisement because that person is using the free Google custom search. You're like, well, I like what? Yeah. <laughs> it's so confusing because we're so used to the, the good search on Amazon or Netflix or Spotify. Like those those companies, you know, they're, they're popular for a reason because they, they are helping people find what they need really, really quickly. Um, and people don't need an alternative. So we're just in the habit of trusting search. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's super, super well said. Uh, any sort of, uh, quick stories that you could share about like, uh, schools maybe that you've worked with or, uh, you know, know about that, uh, Squiz has partnered with, um, that you think sort of mm-hmm. have have cool things to share about how when they decided to take you know site search seriously, um, sort mm-hmm. of some 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 outcomes that they saw um, by implementing sort of a, a, a more strategic approach to navigation. Yes, definitely. So one really cool example from BCIT is um, Alan Etkin. Um, he works there. He has done some incredible work on analytics and he gets really, really granular on what he measures. And one of the things that he measures is the value essentially of each activity on the site. And he has figured out that site search is actually one of the highest impact, highest intent activities. So he assigns a dollar value to each one of these things. So for example, maybe Uh, clicking on the events calendar is worth $15 and clicking on, um, you know, enroll is worth $150. So he's kind of broken it down like that. It's really cool to dive into some of his research, but all that to say, he's figured out that searchers have five times the value of non-searchers, which means that, 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 it's, it's more likely that those searchers are going to convert. And in fact, after implementing Funnelback, he ended up going with Funnelback, um, he saw a 14% increase in conversion rates and a $5 million increase in goal value. Wow. Which I know that most people aren't measuring those things that granularly, but just the fact that you know someone is out there in our space measuring these things and have seen, you know, those impressive results, I think that speaks to it immensely. A little bit more um, anecdotally, one of my favorite slash most shocking statistics that I've heard recently is that 48% of students didn't realize a university or college offered the program they were looking for, even when they did. Wow. That, wow. That, is huge. And I don't think that a lot of, you know, internal teams realize that there's this giant gap and, um, university of North Dakota 
recently implemented a program finder and they saw immediately a 160% increase in conversion to application for, for users that that used that program search. Wow. Because it's just a specific way to reach people when you already know that's the number one reason they're coming to your site. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't think the importance of search can be overstated. I know I know I'm biased, um, but it's we're we're just seeing like really impressive results from even just the decision to move the the search to a more prominent place on the homepage or um giving somebody the, the control to move relevant results up, um, even like for crisis communication, that, that becomes really important. So yeah, all of these, all of these things are just kind of compound to, to having search be a fundamental piece of your website, not just a little add on. Yeah. Yeah. That's super, super interesting. And, um, you that, that stat that you threw out earlier about 48%, of students not realizing that a college or university had a program that they had simply because they couldn't find it. Um, this sort of just right. gives, gives credence to this like notion that I, when I think about sort of like the value of search just generally uh, and absolutely mm-hmm. within the context of higher ed, but first generally is mm-hmm. that if you can quickly find something on a website, you know, if it's assuming you're there for a specific reason, which most of most of us mm-hmm. go to websites, not just to you know browse, we typically go to, you know, for a specific purpose. Um, mm-hmm. If you can find it quickly via search, like you might be able to forgive like the, you know, lackluster design or, you know, the lackluster, um, you know, cool like hovers when you uh, scroll yeah. over a photo or a CTA button, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Right. But when you can't find what you're looking for, um, and the, the site is ugly and, uh, you know, there's a lot of friction in order to get to what you want. Um, that, that's unacceptable. Yep. And so like in the context of higher ed, right, many of our listeners, I'm sure are thinking to themselves right now, like, oh my gosh, there's so much friction that exists on my website. My website is stuck in, you know, Marcom's control and Marcom is in, you know, control of a 2000, 3000, 4000 page, you know, website. I know it's ugly. I know that my program pages suck, but I'm stuck with the template that my university has given me. And so I think mm-hmm. like what excites me most about like the rise of site search and especially you know mm-hmm. good, powerful tools like Funnelback um, is that it actually for, for schools that aren't going to win the battle with design from a design standpoint or aren't mm-hmm. going to be able to like reduce all the friction that you know, faculty might create with their, with their individual program pages. Like this is a way to sort of, um, supersede some of those challenges, uh, you know, to, to, to basically empower the user to still find what they're searching for, what they're looking for very, very, very easily, even if you're not able to design, you know, the kind of site or the kind of experience that you want. Yeah, that's exactly right. One of the biggest pain points that we often hear is we have, you know, such an internal and confusing information architecture and site search cuts right through that and it just reduces so many barriers to the access of information by by every audience um you know and we can talk about accessibility that's a whole nother um topic that site search can can help um but it's really about reducing barriers and i think that that concept resonates because working in higher ed, like 
that is one of, I think, our our core values is we want people to be able to access the resources they need, whether that is, you know, an, an application and finding the, the program for a high school junior, or it's a person that's already on your campus and is looking for mental health resources. If, if there's barriers to that, you know, that's going against the, the very thing that we want to provide, you know, the resources exist. And I think a lot of um, schools do such an amazing job of creating content, creating programs, creating all of these things for students and to help them succeed. But if they can't find them, whether that's physically or on the website, that's like, they might as well not exist. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's funny is, um, uh, I think we had a conversation at one point and or maybe this was some messaging I stumbled upon on Funnelback's website. But basically, um, you or and or and or Funnelback sort of outlined this so neatly when you said, um, you know, colleges and universities spend hundreds of thousands of dollars like trying to get people to their website. Right. Like mm-hmm. you spend all this money on these marketing campaigns. Yes. These advertising campaigns. <laughs> yes. And then it's like once the people are there, once the prospects are there, it's like. It's like, oh, then they'll figure it out, right? And it's like, no, like once you getting eyeballs on your website is incredibly important, right? Getting me to actually Mm -hmm. experience your program pages to to hit your domain is very, very valuable. But then once I'm there, how are you going to make it very easy for me to one, give information about myself, you know, and and two, which is maybe the real number one, first and foremost, find what I'm looking for. So it's it's just Mm -hmm. funny that like we don't think about um, or at least like yet, there isn't sort of like an industry-wide understanding that like thinking very critically about search within the context of a university website is arguably even more important than thinking about how to get traffic to the site. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's those, I mean, that's where those experience maps are really helpful. And, you know, we're seeing it, we're seeing the rise of, I think, this thinking, but it is still new, which is kind of, you know, classic higher ed, like maybe a little bit behind the the consumer tech, but that's why we're so excited about us finally diving into it because this is important and we're seeing good results. And so, yes, I completely agree. So talk to us a bit about, for folks that are like, yep, love it, Hannah, everything that you're saying makes total sense, Um, I buy in. How do folks like go about evaluating site search tools like i i honestly i have no idea i didn't even know about funnelback until we met uh you know a few months ago and have <laughs> mm-hmm. been telling everyone about the product because it i i just don't know what other competitors besides like a google site search that there that there, that exists so how like are there multiple players in the space um i'm assuming the answer is yes but and you don't need to go through and name everybody but like how how do folks go like what sort of criteria should people use when sort of evaluating um the right tools for for their context sure so yes there are multiple players in our space as kind of these um third party like paid solutions which will ultimately give you the most flexibility and control Uh, with varying degrees. And um, I, so we can kind of cover the spectrum. So if, if you have a huge team that can be dedicated to building your own site search tool, and that can be like maybe somebody's full-time job, then sure, do it. But most higher ed 
for most higher ed institutions, that's not the case. So like that's maybe where an elastic solution, that's like a, uh, it requires a lot of technical knowledge. It's pretty expensive. Um, and so that is, that's like one route to go. If you can have some dedicated people that that's their job, then like, okay, great. Google is free and it's kind of an easy one to, to slap on your site, but it's, it's pretty hard to customize. And we kind of like to say that like Google is, is pretty good at, you know, this global search, like when you literally go to google.com, um, but they don't make any money off site search, Hmm. especially when it's like for nonprofit. So they're not actually investing in their algorithm. Like it's, it's not the best. And I think you can, you can go to any website that has Google custom search right now and they'd probably tell you it's not the best. It's really hard to customize. So there's a lot of barriers there. Um, They they don't have a lot of the functionality that um, you'd hope for in like a modern UX. And then there's kind of these more inexpensive ones that are like that are third parties and they're kind of add to your site in one click. Um, Those also will have a little bit better maybe flexibility and control with still some limitations. Um, I'd say those are probably still better than Google custom search. Um, but ultimately what you're going to have to identify is how much control you want over your results. And from most people's perspectives, the more, the better. So one really important functionality is to be able to control the results that pop up. So if someone is searching science on your site, if you want your um, college of arts and sciences to be at the top, then you need to be able to put that up there, even if the, the search algorithm wouldn't put that up at the top, you know, naturally. Hmm. And over time, you can kind of train, like Funnelback's algorithm will will be trained to um, realize what you want over time and, and kind of learn that. But I think that is one of the easiest things, especially in like crisis communication, is the ability to put something up at the top of your web page. That is so, so valuable. And then also matching the look and feel. I mean, I mentioned that I was a big branding nerd, so... Uh, this is like so important to me, but matching the look and feel of your website and then also being able to maybe um, pull in rich media or images, um, all of that stuff. And then also, thirdly, last, um, think about what you actually want it to index. So um, if you go with maybe a Google custom search or a built-in like CMS search, they probably won't be able to index everything you want them to um, that maybe includes social media profiles or people directories or um, maybe an intranet things like that that you want to be included in this global search on your site um, those those are important to look at as well that was super super helpful and um, you know my brain is just uh, there's lots of pinballs going off um, in it as I'm thinking <laughs> yes, about like, it, it's complicated what, yeah but um, it's it's yeah. so complicated and yet like it's so important and it's just it's funny to mm-hmm. me like how few examples I have seen um you know uh, of really great uh, search experiences on college and university websites and like one of the things that I'm thinking too is like if I depending on who uh, if I'm a prospective student right and I come to your website 
and I search for business event, right? Because I'm lazy and I don't mm -hmm. want to spell out prospective student business, you know, virtual information session or something like that. And I just search business event. Um, I don't want to see events for current students in the school of business, right? right. Like I'm looking for a recruitment event or I'm looking for information yep. about a program specific event. And so like, I, I would assume, right, like a great site search tool would be able to, for if I, if I again, uh, just searched business event, I would probably see like, oh, you know, prospective student information session, option A, option B is, you know, existing events that have mm -hmm. to do with, um, you know, that are, that are for students currently in the program or something like that. And so like, I just feel like the reality is that site search needs to be so it needs to be robust and smart enough, if you will, in order to understand sort of the fact that, especially in a college university website, you have multiple audiences there that all yes. need information mm -hmm. from the same site, the same sort of database. And so even sort of more uh, gives credence to the fact that great site search that can index things like even like your intranet um, is not even, it, it, it really should just be like fundamental. Like this, this should be like a must have yes. on college and university websites, yes. especially in, in the era of COVID. Like it's, yep. sorry, I'm getting excited. This is awesome. <laughs> yes. I mean, I think at the very, very minimum filters and like faceted navigation, that is just basic. Like you need to have that. And then we can get really into the fun things, which is maybe personalization. And, you know, after you know some certain things about a student, you know which programs are interested in like serving up personalized results. That's where it can get really, really fun. But at, at the minimum, you need filters, you need maybe uh, like even IP filtering for international students versus domestic students um, and showing those personas, different results. like. All of all of those things are yes, I I agree. They kind of should be the the basic functionality, and they're not that hard to implement. I mean, if you have if you have the right solution, sure. um, but even even with um, you know not funnel back, some of the filtering and best practices for search UX can be can be done. And I just, I, I hope that people, I guess, invest the time and energy into that. Um, and because you will get out as much as you put in, right? So the, the, the thing that I also want people to kind of realize is that picking the, picking the software or search solution, um, will only, you know, do so much, right? So we can promise you that our algorithm is great and you'll have all this flexibility and control, but it will be at some level um, your team saying, hey, this, these are the priorities for us and this is what we want to make our search tool really useful for. And that's where it's important to have, you know, on the vendor side, our team or whoever's team will, really willing to support you and, and come alongside you of saying, okay, how can we make those things happen? Um, but yeah, you'll get out as much as you put in with search. Wow. Yeah, no, this is, uh, this is very, very exciting. Um, and you know, that makes a lot of sense. It's like, you need the, you need the tool, you need the software, but you also need the strategy behind it, um, in order to, yep, you know, exactly. use it. um, what's also interesting, I think for folks to think about too, is like, I actually, uh, just had a call with, um, 
with a prospective uh, client from a, a well-known school and they're doing a, a website redesign. And one of the things that they're uh, interested in is like just reducing the number of pages that they have on their site. They feel like they have like a lot of fluff. Mm-hmm. And um, one of their big like questions to me was, hey, you know, what like does need to be included and doesn't need to be included with respect to like navigation in college university websites today. And their big concern mm-hmm. is like, they, they really want to prioritize design. They want like a really, really like yeah. unique, well-designed uh, website. And um, so they're trying to figure out how, you know, do we need breadcrumbs? Like what, what sort of like nav and yeah. sub navs do we need or don't we need? And what's interesting, Hannah, as you're talking um, and what what's coming to mind for me is like with great site search, you actually are empowered to have way more control over how you design your website. Because if you can trust that information will be found, um, I would imagine mm-hmm. that you don't necessarily have to have as many sub navs and sub 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 navs as as you would <laughs> otherwise, because you can actually use a great you know users are going to click on that search bar, which is going to be you know front and center, and find the content that they need that way. Which I would imagine gives you way more flexibility to do some pretty cool things with uh, UX design. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And it, and it takes the pressure off, right, to say, hey, yes, we need breadcrumbs. Yes, we need all of this in the in one navigation menu. And then, you know, turns out your navigation menu is huge and it's kind of overwhelming. And so some of the, the best practices for UX and navigation, I'm like, yes, absolutely do those things. But also like take some pressure off yourself and invest in site search because you are not going to please everybody, but your search can do a lot of that work for you. Wow, wow, so well said. I love that, I love that. And I, I mean, that's that's sort of the, again, yeah, the solution to being able to like, go back to the faculty member and say, hey, Dr. So-and-so, yes, I know that when you scroll over business and you drop down to, you know, MBA, and then you drop down, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not gonna clone, we're not gonna have like a different page for our hybrid MBA versus our online MBA versus our, you know, in-person MBA. Um, but trust me, if people are looking just for the online MBA or just for the in-person MBA, that's where site search comes in. So your page is still going to be there. It's still going to be found, but we're not going to include it in like our, our core site navigation for, you know, as, as a silly example there, but yeah, a hundred percent what you're saying, I think is, is so, so important. Um, especially mm-hmm. again, especially I can't, I, I keep saying this, but especially in a world where, as you so neatly pointed out, uh, users expectations are to be able to find information very very quickly and in a world where every content or most of the content that we're consuming um most of the information that we're accessing is in digital formats it just all the more reason why information needs to be incredibly incredibly accessible and there's really just no way to do that at scale with sort of like traditional site architecture or navigations because as you were saying earlier like you have so many different audiences, right? Like you're not gonna, and people just search, people like look for things in different ways. Like what, what's yep. logical to you about how a site should be structured versus me could be very different. And search sort of like reduces all of those barriers. It does. And we, I mean, we could do a whole another episode on analytics, but that is where search analytics become really important too for that decision-making when, you know, your, your team leader says, Hey, uh, you know, we don't, this isn't important. People aren't like, can just find it by clicking on this and then this, and then this. And 
you're like, well, what if people don't think that way? Like, yeah. let's look at the search analytics. What are they? What are they actually searching for on the site? What are people clicking on? Like, and and those conversations just become a lot easier when you have the data to back them up, um, and then you can see, you know, where you need more content, where you need less content, um, that kind of stuff. Well, I think we're gonna have to do another episode, Hannah, um, where we talk all <laughs> about search analytics because I, I, again, I'm I'm super excited, and I think that that would that's hugely, hugely valuable to to our mm. listeners. So I have taken a lot of your time um, this afternoon, and it's been a fascinating conversation. Um, I learned a lot. I'm sure our listeners did as well. If folks want to learn more about Funnelbacks solutions and or just want to you know follow you or or uh, you know learn from you what's the best way for them to get in touch yes um so definitely you can shoot me an email um i am hfuchigami at funnelback.com still on my old um, url you can find me on twitter as well um at hannah fuchigami and you can probably put my contact info at the you know in the notes yes, here I will. Um, so, I but will. i'm happy to I'm happy to have conversations about search anytime. It's something obviously I get so fired up about. Um, and yeah, I hope it was I hope it was useful um, for for peeps listening. Well, great. Thank you so much, Hannah. Yes, we'll throw in your contact information uh, into the show notes so folks can have if you guys are listening to this on Spotify or or Apple Podcasts, just go ahead and head on over the show notes and you can follow Hannah on Twitter or LinkedIn um, or send her an email to, mm -hmm. to learn more. Um, but thank you yeah. so much, Hannah. Really, really appreciate your time and looking forward to episode two uh, at some point soon. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thanks, Zach. If you are an enrollment marketer working in marketing and communications or enrollment management and would be willing to be interviewed on the podcast, or if you have an idea for a topic that you'd like to hear covered on the podcast, please reach out directly to me at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at enrollify.org. We sincerely look forward to working with you to make Enrollify the most trusted, go-to digital resource for enrollment marketers out there.